from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. He remembers being a kid in the back seat of his dad's car, and he used to be deathly afraid that his dad would miss the bend. <laughs> Fortunately for Jack, he never did. I watched an eagle teach her young one to fish. I've seen a mama and a baby deer swim across that river. I had to walk and follow them the whole way to make sure they made it. <laughs> I don't know how I was going to help, but <laughs> other emotional support. <laughs> I'm Sarah Fenske. The Old Chain of Rocks Bridge first opened to the public in 1929. For nearly 40 years, motorists took it across the Mississippi from Shoto Island near Madison, Illinois, to North St. Louis County. The bridge closed to cars in 1968, but now it's found new life as a destination for cyclists and pedestrians, and it's about to get even better. Great Rivers Greenway recently scored a $990,000 National Park Service grant to spruce up the Missouri base of the bridge. Great Rivers Greenway community program manager is Elizabeth Simmons. Last Wednesday, she met producer Evie Hemphill on the site. And here's how Elizabeth described the regional agency's vision for the bridge is Western base. People want to connect with each other when they're here. They want to connect with their natural surroundings. They want to connect with the community at large. So we heard that community members really want to focus on safety and security, conserving the natural resources that are here, and providing amenities for both daily use and special events. So, you know, whether folks want to, you know, come over to walk their dog, have a picnic, or just come to a, you know, a large community festival, we want to make sure that this is a great place to do all those things. And Elizabeth Simmons said plans for the site include security measures, stormwater management, and habit restoration, along with other amenities, including a parking lot. She stresses that they drew on community ideas. Now, some of those ideas didn't work out. When you think of the old Chain of Rocks Bridge, you might think of its intake towers. Those are those striking edifices right in the middle of the Mississippi. Here's Elizabeth Simmons describing one idea that proved not to be quite feasible. It was kind of fun when we were doing the visioning process with community members, you know, asking, what could this place be? What do you want it to be? Of course, you know, it's a brainstorm. So we just throw out any idea that people come up with and then kind of narrow them down to what is feasible. But, you know, initially we heard like, could the water intake towers be an Airbnb? (laughs) Like, well, (laughs) there's a few reasons that's, that's not possible and not part of this project. But yeah, there's such a unique feature Um, that are really iconic of the St. Louis region. And again, that's Elizabeth Simmons speaking about community dreams for those historic water intake towers in the Mississippi River. Now, Great Rivers Greenway's work on site is expected to begin this year and take about a year to complete. And joining us today to share some history and some perspective on the bridge and those intake towers is Sharon Smith. She's curator of civic and personal identity for the Missouri Historical Society. Sharon, welcome back. Uh, Thanks. Good to be here. So, Sharon, take us back to the beginnings of what is now the old Chain of Rocks Bridge. It first opened in 1929. What do we know about its construction process? Yeah, so it was, uh, you know, it was built as the sort of the northern way of getting uh, across the river and, and yet still finding a way to meander 
south into the into the city itself. Um, it was also built as the third of the five bridges that was going to uh, carry Route 66 in its in its day, and people were also looking for this opportunity to bypass the city as as um, you know they were starting to find ways to uh, you know uh, get places quicker. This was one option because uh, Dunn Road was being completed at that point, which would link to Lindbergh, and that would get us around the city. So Chain of Rocks was built as one of these uh, cantilever-style bridges with the steel trusses, and um, it, it became one of the, is over a mile long, and it became one of the largest, um, longest bridges uh, to be built in that, in that fashion. Hmm. So, you know, it became this this opportunity for travelers now to find a way. There were other bridges that were still carrying Route 66, but this was the way that people could get there and kind of get around the city and uh, and still travel Route 66. So this was a relatively narrow bridge. It had two opposing lanes of traffic, and there's also an abrupt bend in it, which <laughs> seems so unique for a bridge. Yeah. Why did this bridge curve? Yeah, so so the curve comes from exactly its namesake, which was the chain of rocks. There was a chain of rocks, a literal chain of, of rocks that were in the riverbed that had been there from the Ice Age, really formed through the glacier times. And um, so that those rocks made it a problem to, to be able to, you know, um, uh, put the footings of the bridge into the river bank or into the river bed without going around them. And so when they realized where they wanted the bridge to end on either side, uh, both in the Mitchell area for um, Illinois and the Riverview Drive area for Missouri, they started that and then realized they were going to run into this chain of rocks. And so they had to bend around. Um, it is a very unique structure for a bridge to do that. You say they started it and then realized they had to bend around it. This was something that, that came up sort of mid-planning or even mid-construction? I, th I, I think mid-planning, yes. But by this point, you know, and they also, there are only so many roads, right, in, in the 1920s. I mean, mm -hmm. you couldn't just also build a road. There were a lot of dirt roads. But in order to sort of make this all work with the existing roads and the plan of where these were, I think that then this chain of rocks became apparent as they were building. Hmm. And um, I don't think that the bend was always intended to be uh, like this. Curved bridges are often something that happens, right? You know, you can make a curve, but to do this sort of S shaped bend where you have the you literally change directions midway through the bridge is crazy yeah it seems crazy and honestly looking at it i would not want to drive on it it seems mm -hmm. potentially dangerous were there a lot of accidents on this bridge there were some some really potential deadly accidents especially with larger vehicles again as you mentioned this the bridge is not wide at all really when you think about it it's um you know, it's it's literally about. I was I was trying to figure this out. There are there are um, varying uh, discrepancies of how wide it is, but it's about 24 feet wide, so 12 feet per lane, roughly. Mm -hmm. And you think about in the early days, in the late 20s, 30s, that might not be a problem with with also slower traffic. But you get the 50s and 60s when people are, you know, bigger vehicles. They now are, you know, there's a lot more tractor trailers. There's you know, camping vehicles, all of those things, and they're going to hit that that bend. Um, there's a great story of one where two, um, like, uh, vacation home type uh, vehicles met at the bend. Oh, you're freaking and, me out just thinking about that. Right? And they both stopped. 
And they literally stood there and looked at each other and all this other traffic is building up and a couple of the uh, motorists got out and, and literally just like helped each one of them inch forward enough. <sighs> and when they got to the part where they met, they had an inch of clearance and got them through and, you know, the traffic had backed up for like an hour. Wow. Um, that's crazy to me. So, yeah, hearing this story, I start to understand why this bridge was closed to vehicular traffic. <laughs> this just doesn't seem like it was made for modern times and, and the awful hummers that people have today. And Could you I, imagine? I mean, it just doesn't seem like this would work anymore. I mean, is that part of why it ended up closing then in the late 60s? You know, why it really closed, honestly, was as with the, the fate of all of Route 66, it closed because the interstates came into play. Mm. So... 1966, I-270 is built with the new chain of Rocks Bridge, so that bridge that's just a little to the north of it. And and the old chain of Rocks is still running, but they close it in 1970, um, and I'm using sort of air quotes, for repairs, <laughs> because there was a hole in the bridge. But honestly, you could have fixed that and reopened the bridge, but they closed it and it never opened to traffic again. Um, and I think it's partly because the, of the safety issues, but also the interstate. People, as soon as that uh, I-270 bridge opened, the traffic on Old Chain of Rocks drap- dropped drastically. Mm-hmm. And um, only about, you know, at that point, they were only seeing mostly local vehicles going from Mitchell, say, just across the river. Or a lot of them were going to the garbage dumps where the where the dumps were. So there, it was garbage vehicles. <laughs> That's sad. Um, so they anyway. had to kind of sneak this closing. They didn't want to upset the many people who used it I to get th- to the dump. I think so. Yeah. And then and then ultimately it closes for good. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then it just has its the rest of its storied past that that sort of becomes a part of it until, you know, until we're where we are today. So. Well, we just heard the most amazing story from Sharon Smith about vehicular traffic on the old chain of Rocks Bridge. I imagine some people listening to this conversation used to drive this bridge back in the day. I'm curious to hear your memories. And I'm also curious if you're a fan of this old chain of Rocks Bridge, even if you just use it today for cycling. We're curious to hear what you love about it. Our phone lines are open. You can call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air and join our conversation. Our guest today, of course, is Sharon Smith, the curator of civic and personal identity for the Missouri Historical Society, talking about that bridge in light of its new grant, the Great Rivers Greenway is going to be using to spruce up the Missouri end of things. Um, Sharon, and this takes us back to kind of this heyday. Before it closed to vehicular traffic, it was part of Route 66. Paint us a picture of this bridge and the area just west of the bridge on the Missouri side. Was this a, a major draw for people beyond people dumping things? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Um, you know, this was, you know, I can only imagine, I didn't grow up here, I didn't ever get to drive the bridge. Um, but I can imagine pulling in into that. Uh, so there was a toll booth that you had to uh, pay a toll. Uh, so either you paid it, you know, on the Illinois side coming through or however, I, I'm not even sure if you paid it as you exited or entered, but you still went through this, this sort of toll area. Hmm. And when you came off of that area, and now you were headed to Riverview Drive, if you looked just up ahead, and 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 high you would see what was the chain of rocks uh, amusement park earlier uh, version of its title and then it became the chain of rocks funfair park but it was this huge amusement park up on the bluff and i can imagine being a child sitting in that car and seeing that as maybe 
your parents are probably saying, you know, let's just keep going. But they're like, I want to go to the park. I want to go to the park. Um, it was the site of many uh, school parks, uh, school uh, end of the year, you know, uh, picnics and, mm-hmm. and uh, fun times that many, many people would remember the Chain of Rocks Park. Uh, it was also in its earliest days, before it was ever an amusement park, it was just a pastoral park where they built up the, um, the they sort of beautified the, the bluff area and, and it became this scenic, sort of very curvy, maybe mimicking the bridge, sort of <laughs> this very curvy uh, way up the, the, um, the bluff to this upper area where people could just uh, have a moment to to explore and, and look out over the river. But as it grew up, it then became a site for the amusement park. And that amusement park stayed until uh, really Six Flags put it out of business, of course. Again, it's like the interstates, you know, the mm-hmm. bigger things get the get the better, um, the better uh, attention at that point. But before that, I, I can just picture that. And there are there are wonderful postcards and images of those, uh, those two views looking back down onto the bridge from the park and looking up from the bridge. They're beautiful. Hmm. Sharon, you mentioned that you didn't grow up here, that you didn't get to drive across this bridge before it closed. What led you to, to want to look into this and become such an expert into it? Um, mostly because we were getting ready, the History Museum, um, Missouri Historical Society, was getting ready to do the exhibit some years ago on Route 66. And, um, you know, I had I had always seen the new chain of rocks bridge and could look to the south and see the old bridge but had never even walked on it and so for the opportunity to get to do the research for the exhibit led me to to walk onto this bridge now as a pedestrian and see see what beauty there still is with that bridge right we're fortunate that it's still there um, I read somewhere where historic bridges often are torn down when they have a new predecessor, that, you know, or a new uh, successor that comes next to them. They'll tear down the old one. And we're really fortunate here that this one stayed and, and has been this space that now Great Rivers Greenway is going to add to the beauty of it. Um, to just walk on it or bike on it is fantastic. And so that's what I get to do rather than drive on it. I'm curious if, if you know why it didn't get torn down. It does seem like that's a lot more typical in a situation like this. And, and yet my understanding is it maybe sat there for like 20 or 30 years before they decided to open it to bike traffic. You're correct. It, it did. And, you know, I don't have a real good answer because, you know, again, we look at those and often those bridges are torn down or or they fall down, right? Like they're in enough disrepair. And, and Route 66 fans all across the country are, are striving to keep a lot of these bridges alive. So, so whatever reason, it stood mm-hmm. up um, and held up. And then, um, you know, it became... It became a, a movie star for a moment, and um, you know, and so it. And I got to stop a, you there. It became a movie star. What movie? It did. It was a movie. I have to admit, I haven't seen Escape from New York. Um, so it, it, that was 1980. So it was already closed for a decade, mm-hmm. and um, the producer saw this. It was about a New York uh, sort of a, a, a almost a look into the future, a futuristic look at New York in the 19. Um, 90s, I believe. And this was used as a stand-in for um, for a bridge in, Saint, uh, in New York. Hmm. But for whatever reason, it just looked scary enough at the time, right, that it, it made this, this moment in this movie that starred Kurt Russell, of all people. Um, 
yeah, so it's crazy, but you know, it, it had a moment. And then it, it also was seen, I think, briefly on the Route 66 TV show. But Actually, we have a caller um, who has some knowledge, apparently, about Escape from New York. So since that's just come up, let's go to the phone awesome. lines. Nathan is calling from St. Louis. Uh, Nathan, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Uh, hi, yeah. I, I think you guys just made the point that I was calling to make. I'm sorry, uh, we just preempted you. Have you seen Escape from New York? Because you're talking now to two people who have not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a it's a great film, and and uh, I had some friends from, come up from out of town, um, and they were not interested in seeing the arch. They were not interested in seeing the old courthouse. They were completely interested in seeing the bridge from Escape from New York. That's great. I love that. And Nathan, can you tell us, does it play a pivotal role in that film, or is it just kind of there, you, you glimpse it? Oh, no, no. It's, that's, that's the apocalyptic scene at the end, um, where Snake Plissken is trying to, to get out of New York, and, uh, you know, uh, that's where... Ernest Borgnine dies in the film. I think uh, you just gave some spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) But I asked for it. I I really asked for it there, Nathan. I cannot blame you. Well, that's amazing. So this is a really key site um, for film lovers. Um, Nathan, that's that's great. Thank you for providing that perspective that neither Sharon nor I were capable of sharing here. That's awesome. No problem. Uh, We also heard from Jack in St. Louis. He called to share how happy he is that this bridge is still there. He says, may it be there a hundred years from now. He remembers being a kid in the backseat of his dad's car, and he used to be deathly afraid that his dad would miss the bend. (laughs) Fortunately for Jack, he never did. So there's a great St. Louis story right there. Um, Sharon, it it does seem so great that it still exists, and then that it was reopened as a pedestrian and biking attraction. Do you know, was there a significant politics that had to go into getting this thing reopened i i don't i don't know about the politics but i do know that you know it's again it sat it had a the other storied part of it was that it there was a a, a sort of a, a murder that took place on the bridge uh two two sisters who were literally pushed off of the bridge and mm-hmm. that's a story in and of itself but that was in 91 and it waited another eight years before Trailnet at that point was was open to um making it this pedestrian and bicyclist um, sort of pathway. And I suspect with some grant money as well to, to sort of make it safe enough to do that because it it had been chained off. Like it was literally chained. They didn't want people driving on it. I don't think they wanted people walking on it. Kids, of course, could be kids and they would sneak onto there all the time. But I think because maybe this, it's just sitting you know, mm-hmm. by itself and, and not having any attention to it. That's always that's always breeding grounds for, for you know, dangerous things to happen. But I think once once Trailnet, um, you know, could sort of make that bike path become a reality, I think then we started to see this emergence of seeing the bridge in a new light mm. and, and as, as this pedestrian piece um, that now is is just a, one of not a lot that are able to to have this future in it uh, uh, as an old you know driving bridge but now pedestrian space space and it is such a lovely site today I want to stress that for people who haven't checked this out for themselves um, now last week our producer talked to Gretchen Meyer that's a volunteer bridge keeper Gretchen was at the bridge last week tidying up the Missouri side entrance mm-hmm. before a classic car event that took place there over the weekend she said that her family has lived in the area near the old chain of rocks for 99 years now and this bridge has always been special to her I've walked this bridge 
since they reopened it as a trail and observed and it changes every day. Um, just watching the river sandbars come and go. Um, I watched an eagle teach her young one to fish. I've seen a mama and a baby deer swim across that river. I had to walk and follow them the whole way to make sure they made it. <laughs> I don't know how I was going to help, but <laughs> other emotional support. <laughs> it's a really special thing to me just to be able to watch it and I think it's one of the coolest things. I mean, there isn't barge traffic, there isn't industry. You know, you can just look at the river. And that is Gretchen Meyer, who recently started volunteering as a bridgekeeper. Sharon, we've been talking a lot today about the history of this bridge, but there's also a real nature component to this, too, as, as we can tell from Gretchen's remarks about what she's seen on site. Yeah, I, th I think I would have to echo just, you know, if people have not walked it, even if they've driven across it as children or whatever, to walk the bridge, and I literally walked Again, we went from the Illinois side because that was the way we were told to do it at that particular point. I'm so glad for this grant and that the, the Missouri side will get sort of this beautification effort. Um, but we walked the whole length. Well, then, of course, you have to come back. So yeah, literally, right. I've walked it twice, twice, two times, back and forth. Um, but you, you really get a sense of that river. You get to look at those intake um, towers and you get to just watch the bridge or the, the water go under the bridge and you you just feel like you're part of it. Like nothing's, nothing's really um, grown up. And as she said, there's no industrialization. There's no barges coming right there. They go further down. Um, and, and you just have this really wonderful, like I would love to just sit there for hours mm -hmm. and, and just take it in because it's, it's so natural and, um, and the bridge, you know, it, yeah, it needs a little work. You know, you can see there are, places sometimes where I think people have have um, tried to pull away the, the growth that's kind of growing on it. But it's um, it's a fantastic space just to clear your head and, and be with the river hmm. in a way that um, I think people, right now we really need that, right? I mean, I feel like we really need that so much these days. Um, I wished I'd gone out there last week. Yeah, that's boy, with everything going on in the news, that would have been a great place to be last week. Well, people can visit this next week and they can visit it the week after. And this project mm -hmm. is going to be going on for about a year. It's expected to start later this year. And that's going to make things so much easier from the Missouri side that this will be something that you can you can go from either side. There'll be well lit parking there, we're told. It just sounds like this is going to be a great project for a bridge that with, frankly, some really fascinating history. So, Sharon Smith, I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, and uh, just sharing some of that history. Thank you, Sarah. It's been a pleasure. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.